This morning the scripture uh, reading comes from Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Of all the places you could be, you've chosen to be here. And we've come together to worship God, not only that, but to encourage one another in loving good works. Thank you for choosing to be here in person. I know that there are those who are visiting with us via live stream. Thank you for choosing to do that also. Today is a beautiful day. As always already been said, we have Vacation Bible School coming up this week. When you hear that 632 children are pre-registered, that is an incredible number. Keep in mind that really only about 125 to 125 of those are the children from here in 109. This is probably the largest outreach thing we do as a congregation all year long. And we have an opportunity to impact more people through this, so be praying for this. Also, if this week you don't have a lot to do, if you'll show up, Tim will find you something to do. Uh, we need workers. There's going to be a lot going on. This is incredibly well organized, a lot of great things going on. This is something that's been worked to, not just for the past month or two months, but all year long, prepares for the next one. And I hope that you will be here, and I hope that you will be praying about this, hope that you will work this, because I believe that this is something that can have an eternal impact. To think when people leave here, they know that they were treated well, they were loved, they were taught about Jesus. What an incredible thought. And that's what we want to do this week. Also, this is a congregation I believe values children and loves children. And this is a topic we really don't want to bring up a whole lot, but our congregation wants to provide an opportunity for those to be able to spot signs of child abuse. This will be held on June 23rd from 2 to 4 in the 2030 building. That's the building across the parking lot. If you coach sports, if you're a teacher, if you help out in any different area, this is something very important to be able to do. To be able to be that advocate for a victim, be able to spot something, hopefully before it gets too bad, or to be able to help in this situation. So if this is something you'd be interested in, there's a sign-up uh, list on the, at Information Central, which is the big table right behind here uh, in the auditorium, I mean in the lobby. So if you would go by there and sign up, we would greatly appreciate it. This morning as we begin, we know that uh, this is a special day for many. Happy Father's Day. And it is a day that some are, are really struggling because of maybe a bad relationship with their family. May have, Father may have passed on. There could be a lot of different things going on. So we want to pray uh, specifically for them. And also during our first service, uh, we had a uh, Brandy Salvino respond and ask us to pray for Nick Terry. And we want to do that today. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we are so thankful for your love and your care for us. God, we ask you to be with our vacation Bible school, something that is more than just about children, it's about teaching them to love you. It's about teaching them your word. It's also about letting them know that there is a place where they are loved and they are cared for, and that is here. Lord, we pray this week we will have a great impact on all those who attend, that it will be something that, that makes a great difference eternally as truths are taught, as seeds are planted, as seed are watered. That way in time, they may come to know you. Lord, we pray that you'll be 
with the Salvino and Terry family. Please bless them in all the ways you can. And Lord, we pray for all those fathers today and all those who are celebrating and all those who are hurting. In Christ we pray, amen. Let's think about this. Today's a big day. It's an exciting day for many. So this is my first Father's Day. I'm, I'm excited about that, thankful about that. And uh, I was holding Ezekiel. You probably heard him speak up during the singing earlier. So I had to give him back to his mama, okay? He still loves her more than me every on Father's Day, but that's okay. That is okay. I am thankful for today and a day that does celebrate fathers. This week on uh, uh, Facebook, I asked the question. I said, what is something you learned from or appreciate about your dad? In about an hour and a half, I had over 100 responses. It's pretty awesome to see people respond, to see what are some things that they learned from or appreciated about their dad. I want to share a few of those with you. One person said, when I was a kid, I was pretty hard on myself. My dad would not let me talk poorly about myself. He would say, you are not allowed to say that you are fill in the blank. But you can say that you made a mistake and you'll do something different next time. He taught me to shut down the negative self-talk and to look for positive solutions. This made a huge difference in my life. Another said when my dad was, was in debilitating back pain due to a spinal disease, he used that time to study his Bible even more. The writer said, I will often catch him studying while laid up in bed when I was a teenager. It left a lasting impression on me. No matter how bad things got, and they got really bad, he never gave up on God. Fathers teach us so much. Another said, my, my dad taught me how special letters to loved ones are. His letters to me are such a precious gift. He also gave me a love for photographs and videos. My boys call them our memories. With his passing, he taught me to live and experience life now because we aren't promised tomorrow. Another said he looked at everyone as a soul who needed the gospel. He was no respecter of social status, position, or education. He treated everyone the same way. That being a man often means doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Another said my dad taught me humility, never speaking evil of the church. Dads teach. They teach. They continue to teach. And those said, my dad continues to teach me how to fully trust in God during the storms of life. To continue to love and serve God as one uh, of the God of the living, even when his plan, our plans aren't what we wanted. When you shake a man's hand on an agreement, honor that agreement. Another said, my dad was an amazing dad in so many ways. My favorite thing about him was his zeal for life. He really did worship without abandon. He loved being with his church family no matter where we moved to, and he taught us how important it is to be with God's people. I feel like he instilled a need for a church family in me, and it changed my life. What a great lesson from a godly dad. Another said the morality is, is more than just whether you drink or whether or not you drink or cuss. It's about how you treat people and how you help people that cannot get help you get ahead. Another said he will go the extra mile or several thousand miles. For me or just about anyone, he taught me what really matters in life is not to stress over things that do not matter. Another said some of the lessons I've learned. God first, be obedient and respectful, and my actions reflected on him. Not saying I did good there 
and the love of my family would be my top three. Appreciate the, the love he showed to our mother in front of us and how we were all valued. Perfection, the downside, is that he set very high standards for any man that came into our lives, as a good father should. Nothing you ever could do can make me love you any more or any less. Another said, my dad taught me if you're going to do something, there's no sense in halfway doing it. Learn how to do something and do it right the first time. I always appreciated that my dad would always let me come along and learn how to do a job or just be there to hand him tools or whatever was needed because it helped me to be able to understand and do things on my own now. It's also called free labor, okay? If you've ever worked with your dad, you, you realize and you have, you have participated in that. Another said, my dad taught me the value of hard work, how to fix things, and most of all, preparing me for life. My dad didn't let me, did not let me get disappointed. He told me, my dad let me get disappointed. He told me no. He took me to hospitals and funeral homes of loved ones who were dying and deceased and promoted self-confidence and self-sufficiency. Sometime he may have given me too long a leash, but he allowed me to find my own way and solve my own problems. Another said, being a Christian, I learned from him, is not just something you do on Sundays, but something you do all seven days of the week. Another, this is a, a man, one of my mentors, uh, preached the gospel for years and years and years, and his mom uh, took his own life when he was a little boy. Look what he says about his dad. My dad raised three boys practically by himself. He most... Made almost no money, never missed church, died at 61. He never complained. And he praised God every step of the way. What an example of faith. It's amazing what we learn from our dads. And there are also some funny things. A lot of the little quips and stuff that you may say or you may hear may come from your dad. I, I love what one person said. This is what I learned from my dad. Never kissed by the garden gate. Love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. Okay? That was something they learned. Another said this, if I tell you a hen dips snuff, you better look under its wing for a can. Some of y'all don't get that. That means if I tell you something, it's true. If I tell you something, it's true. Another said, don't ruin a $10,000 car over a $10 dog. <laughs> or a $1,000 dog for that matter, okay? <laughs> Another said, fair is a skin complexion and a place to show pigs. It is not life. There's another I, I, I laugh at because uh, this dad, uh, he's passed on now. He would always tell his girls that if I wasn't so pretty, I'd be ugly. That was his statement to them, and, and they would laugh. See, dads have a lasting impact, good or bad. See, when I asked that question on Facebook, I had a couple of, a couple of guys that said, you know what? You know what I learned about from my dad? How to not be a dad. And I chose to live my life differently. And one of them apologized and said, I'm sorry if that's not what you wanted. I said, no, I appreciate the honesty. I think that's a lesson too. Sometimes we learn and realize some are lessons we learn to do better than or do different than. You know, I, I really love my dad. My dad called me this morning to wish me a happy birthday that was Friday. And he called today to wish me a happy Father's Day. Now, it's interesting. He, he wanted to be here today. He, uh, he had uh, something happen to him health-wise uh, Friday, and he's not able to be here. And I think about the different things I've learned from him. I, I learned about God from him. My, him and my mom both, but my dad's a Christian. 
My dad has maintained his faithfulness throughout all of his life. Has he always been perfect? Absolutely not. That's why I love that he's quick to confess when he messes up. Quick to confess. He's also somebody who's brave. He, he perseveres. He, he is someone who, who is a person of prayer. When the elders hired me and my family to be here, they had no clue what they were getting when it comes to my dad. My dad is one of the greatest prayer people I've ever met in my life. I, when I went to Spring Hill, he prayed every day that the building would overflow. We built a new building. You know what? He prayed it again. My dad's praying for you, and he didn't even know you. But he, he has taught me the, the importance of prayer. He, he's taught me the love of laughter and, and of music. He loves people. He loves the Bible. When I think about just being with him and all the different lessons that, that he shared with me, he, he taught me to treat the receptionist the same as the CEO, to treat all the people the same, especially people in servant positions. He taught me the love and appreciation for freedom and veterans. My, my dad is a disabled veteran. He, he taught me to love and appreciate them. I spent time at veterans hospitals growing up, not because my dad was being treated, but because my dad was going to see people. My dad took me to nursing homes. I complained. It was interesting. When I asked, what's something you learned from your dad, Lance Williams talked about his dad, Webb Williams, who is a, a friend of mine. He said, growing up, his dad came and said, get dressed. We're going to, to uh, the funeral home. His dad came in later, and he wasn't ready. He said, I don't want to go to the funeral home. And his dad left and went without him and came back. And he just told him when he came back, listen, nobody wants to go to the funeral home. That's why we go. As a kid, my dad took me to funeral homes, I mean, in nursing homes often. The worst thing he would ask me to do, I'm going to be honest with you, this may be too much, he asked me to lead singing at nursing homes. If you've ever been to a nursing home worship service and you're 10 or 11 years old, which your voice is questionable then anyway, at least your pitch is, all right, let's be honest during that age, I didn't want to. I knew I'd be singing by myself. And he's like, no, you're going to lead. And one day I knew I could not disobey him. I had to lead or I would get a whipping. So I led two funeral songs, Last Mile of the Way and Precious Memories. Never had to lead again. It was awesome. I, I was able to do that. You know, you know, I obeyed him, kind of. Um, but we went all the time. I remember going through one day and this lady came up. And uh, he told me to give her a hug. And I gave her a hug and walked on and said, who was that? He goes, I don't know, but I know she needed it. Whether it's to know enough about your vehicle to maintain it or to persevere through disability or see the best in every person, my dad has had a lasting impact on me. I could go through and list a lot of negative things, too, that, that I've had to learn from in a different way, but I'm thankful. But we have to realize dads have a huge impact on the lives of their children. It is something that, 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 that we need to know and, and realize that dads, you may not realize you have an impact, but you have an incredible one. The question is, when I think about this, you, you, you go through and you say, when I think about fathers, I, I think about the shows that I grew up with that were already reruns when I was growing up. Whether his father knows best or the rifleman, which I still watch regularly, or whether it was Leave it to Beaver or Andy Griffith, 
dads in these shows, society-wise, were seen to be wise and caring and loving and honest and to have strong ethics, strong love for their families. Somewhere down the line, that didn't work in Hollywood anymore. And even though these are shows that we might enjoy, whether it's Home Improvement or whether it's Everybody Loves Raymond, those shows have a comedic value, but you realize the dads in these shows are always portrayed as the dumbest people in the room. The kids are smarter, the wife is smarter, everybody's smarter. Now, that may very well be the case. I'm not claiming to be the smartest one in my house. It's one thing to not be the smartest, and another thing to disrespect and make look to be idiotic. And that's sort of the, the view that we've gotten. And part of it is, I think, a, a thought to let's, uh, let's try to destroy uh, authority and view of authority, but that's a whole different lesson. And you start thinking, well, how, how do I learn how to be a good dad? If the most of the dads on TV today aren't good role models, and that's where we're spending a lot of time, where do we go? Well, well we could take a class on that. And you may say, hey, I think the best thing we learn to be a good dad is go to the Bible. I would agree. I think God's Word is, is all sufficient. It contains there His Word and truth and, and, and the things that we, we should learn. And, and we learn there, open up God's Word, the extreme responsibility that God has put on His on fathers for their children. It says, fathers, nurture your children in the training and correction of the Lord. That, that's that God said, fathers, you do this. You bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And this just didn't start in the New Testament. This has been God's plan for always. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We read what? Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I shall command you shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on, the front, on, on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It is realized that God commands fathers to instill faith in their children. I didn't make it up. It's there. Their responsibility. Why is that? I think part of it is God is referred to as our heavenly what? Father. And, and I know this is a, a lot of sociology and psychology. But dads, what if you realized that your children's view of how God loves them will really be based on how well you love them. No pressure, right? Their view of God will be very, very uh, set around how you've treated them. So why so many people have, have a problem following God because their, heavenly their earthly father did not show them what a heavenly father should be, and to even accept someone as a different father is a struggle for them. But if we're going to learn how to be good dads, you say, all right, we're going to look at the Bible. There's a problem there because there's not a perfect dad in the Bible except for God. Even some very good men in Scripture, if I were to go through their lives, I could show you things they did well and things they did very poorly. That's pretty much all of us, right? But I think there's things that we can learn from those 
who, who may have done things negatively, and I think there's things we can learn from, from, from those who have done some things well. As we go through today, I think about some things we can learn from some dads who, who messed up at times. One, we can learn from, from Lot, Genesis 13, verse 10. Genesis 13, verse 10, uh, Scripture tells us, And Lot did what? Lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, and like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before God, the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What's happening? You've got some problems between Abraham and Lot and their servants, and they're trying to, to use the same land. And Abraham just said, hey, you choose wherever you want. I'll go somewhere else. So when Lot went to choose land where he was going to live, he made a very, very, in one sense, wise decision because it was a land that was flourishing. What did he not think about? What will that do with my family? What's the reputation of Solomon and Gomorrah? Is that really a place that I want to live? He, he, he did this not realizing, like Abraham, why, why would Abraham say, you choose where you, wherever you want to go and I'll go in the desert? It doesn't matter to me. Because Abraham knew where all blessings came from, knew that God could bless him wherever he was. Lot thought he had to put himself in the right place. So they take care of it. He says, So Lot chose for himself the Jordan Valley. And Lot journeyed east and separated from each other. And Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the great, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. That's where he ended up. 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8. And if he rescued righteous life, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. It said that what he lived in bothered him. But by him choosing to live there, he lost what? He lost his wife. The old pillar of salt deal, she turned around. He was willing to sacrifice his daughters. All these things, why? Because I think he made a, 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 a decision based on materialism versus spiritualism. Dads, can we learn from that? Yes. I made the statement a few weeks ago that so many times we work so hard to give our children the things we didn't have, we do not give them the things we did have to help make us who we are. I think it's natural to want to provide more and provide better. But at the expense of what? At the expense of what? To realize that what happens, see, I, I get frustrated at times in, in youth ministry. It's very frustrating. It still is now. I will have parents come to me and say, hey, my child has chosen a college. Great. They've already signed their letter. They're going there. Everything else, great. Do you know if there's a church there? And Jesus wept and so did Craig. It was one of those things you're like, so you've chosen a school. You have no idea if there's a church there that's faithful to God. Yeah, but they can get a great education. Then they can get the job they want and all this other stuff. Didn't work out great for a lot. 
Even though Lot, his, he said it was righteous. Lot wanted to do the right thing. It was not that he was evil in making this decision. He just did not realize that God could have blessed him wherever he was had he chosen God instead of chosen to live somewhere where he thought would be profitable. I, I think we can learn from him. I think we can learn from Eli, one of God's priests. Can you imagine this being written about your children? It says, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Verse Samuel 2.17, Thus the sin of the young men was great in the sight of God, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Can you imagine somebody saying your kids were worthless? You'd want to fight them. You'd want to straighten them out. So you, you don't know. And the thing is, there was no response. No response. So it says that he did not know. They didn't know the Lord. Why? Because their dad, the priest, didn't teach them. Let that sit in. The one who knew God did not teach his children to know God. Maybe there's an inattentiveness there. Maybe he was distracted. I, I think that could be part of it. So busy doing the, the work of the kingdom, he forgot that part of the work of the kingdom was to do that work at home. Even though his sons were technically, we would say they were in ministry. They were not connected to God. But there's another aspect of this. The Bible is very plain on what was the problem. Once Eli found out, once Eli knew what was going on, First uh, Samuel 3.13 says, And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. What did he say? He didn't discipline his kids. What verses did you memorize growing up? John 3.16, probably. For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son. Maybe, maybe that one. You grew up in the, uh, in, in the church, you probably memorized Acts 2.38. I don't know about you, but I had to memorize these verses. They are found in Proverbs. Because my dad didn't want me to do this. Do not withhold correction from a child. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And my favorite to have to go through my memory verses with, Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Don't you love how they put this on this beautiful beach scene? It's beautiful. It's like, what in the world? Those are two different messages, okay? There's another one that says, beat the child and he shall not die. I had to do that one too. Is this giving you a right to go home and abuse your child? No, but if you don't discipline him, you don't love him. And that's what we learn here from, from this thing. There's a lack of discipline and it carried over. And, and, and we can learn from Achan. Achan is someone who was told to go in and destroy, not take anything. He took everything back to his home and he hid everything. And what happens? Israel has sinned. Jo uh, Joshua 7, 11, they have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their belongings. And what happened? His whole family lost their life over his dishonesty and his coveting and his greed. Let me ask you, do your kids see these things in you? Is there a lack of discipline? 
Are you distracted when it comes to what's the main thing? Do they see you uh, as someone who, who, who is, you may have told yourself, I'm doing this to financially better us, and there may be a truth in that, but is there something that, that you have put above God and, and above your, your wife and kids? And you look, why? Because it has impact on your family. If you'd asked Achan before this, would you be willing to sacrifice your family for gold? He said, nope. But he did. See, I think the Bible has some negative things to learn from. There's also some very positive things. And quickly, as we think about a couple of these, Genesis 18, 19. said, you have chosen, for I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep doing the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. What are you to teach Righteousness and justice. Men, to, to be a godly father, we have to be intentional about it. It means we have to do it on purpose. It's not something that may just magic, magically happen. We have to be intentional every day about drawing our children closer to God and living that justice and righteousness out. They will see that in the way we treat their mother. There's a Interesting situation in Genesis 21, 12, and, and what has happened is Abraham and Sarah have been promised that, that this great descendant, that, that they will have many descendants, that they will have a child. The thing is, they've gotten on in age. They're like, well, God said he'd give it to us. Maybe we need to help God out some. So Sarah's like, I'll bring my handmaiden in, and, and we'll have a surrogate child, and that child can be the heir. That child was named Ishmael. And then after God fulfilled the promise and Isaac comes, Ishmael and Isaac aren't getting along real well. And so Sarah goes to her husband and says, you need to get rid of them. You need to send them on. Now, this is his son. Ishmael is his son. And, and, and it's sort of like he, he could have been like, you got us into this mess. I didn't ask for this. You, this is what you wanted, all these things. That's not what it Abram talks to God about it, and God says what? Listen to your wife. Hard commands in Scripture, right? <laughs> Listen to her, respect her. Be a listener. Guys, for us to realize one of that hard truth uh, for us to get is to realize that our sons are going to learn how to treat women from the way we treat our wives. And your daughters are going to learn what it is meant to be treated right by a man by the way you treat your wife. It makes a difference. To live a life of holiness, Zechariah is the, is the father of John, John the Baptist. We, we look in Luke chapter 1, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah from the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Looks like Zechariah chose well when he chose a wife. We could go on about that. But also, when they looked at his life, they saw what? He was righteous, and he kept God's word. There's holiness. You realize 
like I do, that more is caught than taught, right? I think we should be intentional in our teaching, but they're going to see the way you live. And when you sit there and see that your mom and dad love God, love each other, love his word, and walk faithfully, what difference can it make? Well, they had a son, John the Immerser, who was willing to die for his faith. That's a pretty awesome impact. His faith to God, we, we see that. How are we walking in that holiness and are we willing to make a stand? Well, we, it's interesting. Every generation believes that their generation is the toughest one to raise kids in. They also believe their generation is the worst generation there has ever been as far as how difficult things are. Look what Joshua says. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the fathers served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that he is leading his house to serve God. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. He has said, we will serve God here. Not only that, I want to protect them spiritually. I want to protect them. My dad was pretty rough on us at times, but I can tell you I never, ever doubted that he would stand up for our family and not let somebody else hurt us. I don't have that doubt right now. He can be in a walker or a wheelchair if you were to try to come at me. It'd be horrible to get a whooping from a guy in a wheelchair, but you get one. See, if he gets a hold of you, he ain't going to let go. It's sort of like a snapping turtle. You better hope it thunders. I mean, he's going to get you. Some of y'all can explain that why I still later, okay? Are you willing to protect your family spiritually to say, I am going to teach them to know God, and our family's going to make a stand. I don't care what anybody else is doing. Because somebody like Noah, what did he pass on? Was he perfect? No, but one thing he passed on, we, we think about this, we can go through, and he did not spare the ancient world, but he preserved Noah, the herald of righteousness with seven others. Brought a flood upon the world. What, the seven others, his, his sons and his wife and their wives. By faith, Noah been warned of God concerning things yet unseen. Reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. How did he live out his faith? He built a boat in their backyard. Every day they saw what? There's a hundred years or so in between when God tells him to build an ark and the flood comes. There's some math in there that's problematic, but somewhere around a hundred years. And every day they see that boat, they know that their dad is a what? A person of faith. Why did his sons get on the boat? He didn't drag them. They chose to follow their dad. There was something about his faith that they believed the faith he had in God and followed him on there. Well, what's the missing piece? What, what, what is it, some things that, that we can do? I think it's important to look what God says. I think it's important for, for wives to love and respect their husbands. I know that there is a direct command for for wives to respect their husbands, Ephesians 5.22. And I've heard it said that women are not commanded to love their husbands. Well, in Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach younger women to love their husbands and their children. So, to teach them how to do that. So, I, I would say by, by inference, imp, their implication or inference, that should happen. And also, children should do what? Obey your parents and the Lord. Honor your mom and dad. 
What happens when a dad is loved and respected and honored? I, I, I think it would be incredible. We may say, hey, my dad is, is not doing everything as he should. What happens if we loved him, respect him, and honored him? What, what could happen? It could be a huge difference. As I know that today there's a lot put on you, but I'm not putting it on you. God has. And more is caught than, than is taught. And what we want to see happen is we want to have children who see your example and who hear your words and grow closer to God. It says, your child will follow your example, not your advice. I think they'll follow both when they match. And we should do what? Imitate his love. And this whole discussion on, 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 we go through husbands and wives, different things, what are we, at the end of this is, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved himself, gave, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God to love him and to love others, to see that love of God. Why? So our children can see how deep the Father's love for us. I love my dad. I'm thankful that I have the dad that I have. But I can tell you, as much as he loves me, he don't love me as much as God. And today you may be saying, Craig, my, my father on earth was not this, this, and this. Hey, you've got a heavenly father who wants to be your father. And he will be with you and love you and care for you. Today, I, I, I hope we accept the challenges and learn what God has said for us as dads, but also I hope we find comfort in walking toward the God who is our father, who wants to be our father. Today, if you're not a child of God, you're not his child yet, make him your father a day before you leave. Talk about what a great father's day to make God your father. By doing what? By, by through faith, by being baptized from your sins, or maybe today that you want us to pray for you as we prayed for a family first service. If we can help